Welcome, everybody. This is Story Life. We are a podcast about creativity and independent filmmaking through the eyes of me and Alan, a couple of filmmakers, and the many wonderful guests we have on the show. How are you doing today, Mr. Co-host? I'm good. Uh, Legally changed your name to Mr. Co-host, which is exciting. It's going to send probably an unwanted ripple throughout my family, uh, the (laughs) co-host family, but we'll we'll, we'll cross that bridge later. Uh, In the meantime, before it's all legal, I'm Alan C. Gardner. And folks, this is episode 28, which I was not involved in, but I really enjoyed listening to. Uh, This episode was recorded on May 12th, so it was just under two weeks after my daughter was born, um, which is why I had to take a knee on this one. But man, I got to say, this episode is delightful it's a great conversation between clinton and his old friend and fellow filmmaker darius leg who brought some really awesome energy and insights uh clinton how do you how long have you known darius for i'm not sure if that was addressed directly in the episode uh yeah i don't i and we're gonna get a little biographical here but when i was 11 my family picked up and moved from idaho to kona hawaii um this is back in like 1996 and, um, you know, it just so happened one of my neighbors that I met and connected with was, was Darius uh, back in Kona, Hawaii. And, you know, when we, were, when we were hanging around then, that was when I was about in middle school. I didn't like Darius that much. I didn't feel like I, <laughs> we got along. But just by pure coincidence, we both ended up becoming filmmakers. We reconnected in L.A. And then we strongly connected we were both in Hawaii during the pandemic and we just got to really know each other again and, and develop a really great friendship. And I, I feel so lucky he's randomly come back into my life. And then we also get to share filmmaking and creativity. That's awesome. Yeah. I lo- I mean, I only know of him through this, uh, through this interview, but man, I, I like I said, I really love his energy, uh, his vibe, if you will, it makes me want to see his work. makes me want to see Stoker machine. Not to get into that too much before we get them the opportunity to talk about it in this episode. But uh, yeah, man, this is good stuff. I really, really uh, had a big smile on my face listening to this episode a lot. So thank you, Darius and Clinton, of course. <laughs> before we get to the episode, uh, just want to give a gentle reminder, y'all. We do we do coaching here <laughs> at Story Life, me and Alan both. Um, the same sort of like creative, supportive energy that we have here on the podcast, a focus on mental health and focus on the emotional side of things. We bring that to our coaching for any type of creatives, uh, filmmakers, actors, writers, anybody. We're down for it. If you're curious at all about what we could do for you, you know, hit us up for a 30 minute consultation, totally free, no expectations, no pressure. Uh, I mean, we'd love to talk to you and just hear about what your story is. So, yeah. Yeah. Those consultations are fun. Bring them on. Bring them on, folks. Um, okay. On that note, let's get into Clinton's charming chat with Mr. Darius Leg. Here we go. Amazing. <laughs> this is so interesting. It's so interesting, like, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the way... <laughs> The way like we're able to just do so much from our phones now, it's tripping me out. Yeah, yeah. So you've been on a couple other podcasts re- recently? I have, yeah. Um, I have, and I am really grateful that you had me on here because I know we've been friends for a long time, <laughs> like very long, literally a long, long time <laughs> uh, since we were little kids. And to to be like a part of what you have going on with my film is like an incredible, incredible for me. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh yeah. I'm happy to have you here. Why don't you um, just, if you got some sort of like introduce yourself in whatever way, shape or form you want to for a few seconds. So people just have a context. Yeah. Yeah. You are what you're about. Yeah, for sure. Um, So my name is Darius Legg and I'm from Kona, Hawaii. And, uh, I've been an artist, filmmaker pretty much my whole life. I mean, I I started in surfing and through surfing, um, I saw how the sausage was made in in filmmaking because I was featured in a in a surf film called the Fifth Symphony document. And um, I watched the guys making it. And that kind of gave me this like really big insight into the process of filmmaking. I was like, oh, wow, it's not just this like mythical faraway thing over there that I'll never be able to do. Like it's actually possible. 
And so um, yeah. that really like kickstarted me into into filmmaking. And uh, yeah, I've, I pretty much have just been an artist my whole life. Like I, I've loved storytelling and I grew up on a sailboat where there was nothing but books and comics. So um, my imagination like was just exercised on a daily basis, you could say. And um, yeah, it just hasn't stopped, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now you're on a you know promotional tour, release tour of sorts for uh, for, sure. for Stoker Machine. You want to tell everybody a little bit about that? Yeah, so Stoker Machine is um, my uh, you know Stoker Machine is a surf animated surf documentary that took three years to complete. Um, it's my first time combining my my three favorite passions, which is filmmaking, surfing, and drawing, um, and. The film really, for me, uh, means a lot because it changed my life. Uh, there's the story that, that the film showcases, you know, and that's fun. But then the making of the film really did change my life um, over the course of three years. And uh, I really set out to make a movie that captured the essence of Stoke. You know, I never, I never saw yeah. a surf film that, like, really combined animation into the storytelling in the way that we did. And I also never saw a surf film that made you feel like you were at the beach hanging out with a surfer guy and, and, and doing all the, the talk that happens, like, you know, when you're checking the waves and stuff. And also had never seen a film that got the angles that, that uh, we see as surfers all the time. Um, So I was really mindful of that when I was making the film. And, and so uh, here we are three years later, and there was no stone left unturned in the making of it. So there were zero regrets. And for me, Clint, like it was like the first time I ever finished something where I was like, I felt content and I just felt so at peace because I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter what anyone thinks about this because I made this for an audience of one and I know I did the best I could do and that's good enough. And I never had felt that before. Like I really never had ever felt that before. And um, that's great. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, man. It was so. It was a trippy feeling. It took me thirty nine yeah. years to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I saw a, an earlier version you were working on two years ago. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched the new one yet, not because I'm not excited to see it, but I'm hoping that I can figure <laughs> Wait out a, a way. Wait a minute, you what? <laughs> I haven't I haven't watched it yet. I'm hoping to I'm hoping to see it at a film festival or see it in a theater or something like that. Amazing. Amazing. Um, and you know you only get that experience of seeing it once one it's, time, you know. Yeah, and no, I just true. love you so much. I want to have that whole <sighs> experience. Too, yeah. No, um, that's that's amazing. Yeah, that'd be incredible. I but if you need, you know, I don't know what's what stage are you in in terms of putting it out online cuz if you need clicks and shares and all that kind of stuff, you know, I'm happy to yeah. do that stuff whenever it's useful well, for you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you for that. And and you have been so kind and and gracious in uh helping me navigate the indie indie film circuit world, uh film festival circuit world. You know, like I I've spent the last 13 years working in, in entertainment in LA and doing other people's projects, you know, um, like I worked at Fox, I worked at Disney, I worked at A&E and I, and I was just kind of like a, a roaming, um, <laughs> a roaming creative samurai of sorts that was just brought in to do a job. And then, you know, on the next, and, but it was always for other people and being around you, watching you do your thing with your wonderful films, uh, especially 12 months, like, I oh, thank you. Yeah, I was like, I, it's just really, it's really nice to be surrounded with people who like, you know, are doing something to learn something about themselves and the art in the process. And yeah, y- you've been so helpful, like, just like, okay, like, you know, like, watch out for these festivals or do these ones or, you know, this is what I, this is what I like to do. And, you know, I've, I've gleaned a lot off that. So thank you. And, and when we release it online, I will definitely, for sure, um, ask probably a million questions but right now it's just right oh oh i just found out this morning that it got accepted into the toronto um documentary film festival like it's toronto cool. document Congratulations. yeah thanks brother so stoked so stoked no pun intended yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um but i think the release strategy 
you know, I'm figuring it out as I go. I would imagine, you know, Hawaii is another one we're doing. Um, and that's in October, uh, Hawaii Film which, Festival. Which festival? The Hawaii International Film Festival. And oh, congrats. That's a great festival to get into, dude. Congratulations. They're, they're so amazing. Um, I love those people. There's a guy there, his name's Anderson Lay, and he's just, he really loves yeah, He's the head programmer, I think. Yes, he loves cinema. He really loves cinema. And um, talking about movies with him is fun. And he, uh, he just cares a lot. And I think it shows in their festival, you know, like you can tell they care. They care about the filmmakers and stuff. So, uh, but I was just going to say, it's like, I think I'm going to release it online around that time. I feel like that'll be appropriate because I think by then we'll know if the film's in like the major festivals or not. And then I'll just kind of play it by ear. But, you know, it's been interesting too, Clint, is like, like being out there promoting the film, like it's helped me really identify like kind of a, you know, I look at it like it's like my job to just spread the stoke. Like literally, that's the mission. It's just <laughs> like, you know, come in, share the artwork, a lot of artwork, share the film, because um, there's a lot of artwork that comes with the film. And, you know, it, it just feels like the right thing to do. It's like the mission is spread stoke around the world. And, yeah, you know, that might be something that goes well beyond just the film. Because I definitely have a, a graphic novel um, story in mind for stoker machine uh based on some of the characters in there yeah well we were um so we you know thank you again for joining me at cambria film festival it was really fun hanging out with you up there yeah um when we're hanging out up in cambria Mm -hmm. uh which is great film festival by the way i had an amazing experience there but you were talking about then just like screw it releasing it online right away Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um i guess uh, you know things have changed now and i'm not saying for better or worse but i'm just curious Mm -hmm. what like what brought about that shift in like your kind of release strategy Ah, gosh, frankly, I haven't thought about that much, but I'm kind of just feeling like the way I work in general and and just the way I walk through the world is I just pay attention to the universe. Like I pay attention to life and what's being thrown at me. And then I make my decisions kind of based on that. And so I was seeing a few things happen that just seemed to be nudging me in a direction of like, hold off on the release hold off on the release and I listened to it. And so I'm listening to it still. And yeah, I mean, that's, 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 it's as simple as that, as, as woo woo as that probably sounds. Um, I know. (laughs) I mean, we're, we're artists. Like that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. It just is suits my temperament to do it that way, but don't get me wrong. Like I'm putting so much effort into being really intentional about the marketing of the film. So I personally write a unique email to, everybody I'm, I'm doing outbound marketing towards. So it's not like, you know, what do they say like pray, uh, spray and pray. Like it's, it, I'm not doing yeah, any yeah. of that. It's like very thoughtful, uh, personal letters, even personal pieces of artwork that I'm giving people like that are just for them, um, that have the characters and it promotes the film. It's all within the universe of Stoker machine, but it's just being thoughtful about the way I, um, promote the film. And I think, for me, that was like a really big turning point because I've always thought of marketing as being a sleazy thing up until I made Stoker Machine. I was always so turned off by yeah. it, you know, because it's yeah. it, I was always thinking of like the car salesman, you know, like or saleswoman for that matter. Like, like it. Well, I don't love it either, but it's also it's like, you know, you got to unfortunately, there's a lot of noise out in the world and you got to kind of do what you can to rise above the noise. But, it, you know, this is something I talk a lot about with other like creatives and filmmakers. It's like. Mm-hmm. How much energy do you have for for marketing and promotion? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when is there kind of diminishing returns, and you should be just putting that en- energy towards new creation? It's like a hard question to answer. Yeah, that's a that's it is a very it's a very interesting question. Um, and I and I will just uh, I'll just like uh, piggyback on something you just said, which is like um, you know. <sighs> the energy to put it out in the world and, and when do you know when, when it's diminishing returns. Like one thing that's becoming apparent to me, you know, and I'm kind of speaking from being in it, in the midst of it. So, you know, bear with me, but it's like, it's like I'm realizing I just have to be me. Like I'm just being Darius because I, I'm, my job is to represent the film, nurture the film, 
make sure it's safe in the world and put it out and, and, and it's, it's on its course. And I just think if I show up as myself, which is, which is intentional and, and kind and loving and, and genuine, then that's, that's the marketing, you know, and, and I can do that all day long because that, that's just how I am. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's interesting dance because like, like I was saying before, like I always thought it was like, oh, I have to try to market the film. But I'm realizing now I don't have to try at all. I mean, I have to be, I have to put in the work and I have to be calculated for sure. But um, yeah. there is a lot to be said about just being yourself, you know, like being yourself sometimes I think can sell, sell people on getting interested on something um, more than like trying to be how other people are doing it or something like that. If that makes any sense. No, I agree. I agree. Cause like, I mean, you know, I kind of say these things, uh, this is the first time probably I've said something like this in the podcast, but I think the, the best thing you have to offer as an artist is yourself oh, your yeah. individual experiences and Beautiful. your individual sort of like take and point of view on the world and stuff. It's not any sort of, it's not executing any sort of like perfect craft or anything like that. It's like your unique, whatever it is so beautiful i agree too with marketing it's it's i and i mean it's just easier for me to stomach trying to be more my authentic self in marketing rather than you know how do i angle this to Mm. sell the most tickets or whatever um yeah for sure i love the idea that like uh i heard this from rick rubin the music producer uh he he said once um you know commercial consideration only comes after the work is done and I think that's a really important boundary that I hold really near and dear to my heart. It's like, like when you're making the thing, there's no, commer- for me, I'm just speaking about me, like I'm not, there's no commercial consideration because that has nothing to do with what I'm up to in the making of. Like, you know, I'm not making yeah. this thing for other people or guessing what anyone else is going to think about it. It's just, I'm trying to learn something about the, the magic of what's happening in the moment every time I get down to work. But then when that process is over, there's like this real different world to step into, which is the now it's like, okay, it's done. Put it in the world. And oh, like what's what's the commercial consideration for this? That might be interesting. And that might be a fun thing to play with. And that's a thing. It's like for me, I'm just trying to keep it fun. Like I don't want to take the film or myself seriously in the in the in the marketing of this because, you know, it's fun. It's supposed to be fun <laughs> like for me, you know? Uh, yeah. 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 So it's like, I've, I guess I never thought I'd say this client, but like, I actually enjoy this marketing aspect of the, of the job. That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't quite, fi- I haven't quite found that for myself, but, but I mean, that's, that's good that, that you got it. Cause you know, it's, it's an inescapable part of what we do. hundred percent. Uh, yeah. If you're not doing it yourself, then you're going to have to hire people to do it. And so it's either, yeah. and you know, as filmmakers, we only got so much money. So wherever you can save some. It, it doesn't seem, up. you know, and, and, and I actually do know some, some people who are putting things in the world, not just films, but like digital tech, tech products. It, you know, one thing that I've heard echoed throughout my conversations with folks is like, even when you have the seed money to like pay for PR and people to do it for you. They'll never care as much as you do, you know, no one's going to care about your project or the project. I'll just frame it that way. Um, The project that you and your folks have made, like no one's going to care about it as much as you, (laughs) you know, And, and I think that bleeds into the marketing for sure. Yeah, and I think that's the lonely part of being a, a creative, really. It's like both lonely and empowering. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, ultimately, I think everybody's everybody's sort of like destiny with their work is at the end of the day, most the largest amount of the responsibilities with with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, you're going to care the most about your art. But it can also be, you know, that can be lonely as a result sometimes, too. And that's something that you kind of have to reckon with when the chips get down but you know i think that you know with time and perspective i'm I'm lucky enough to have the have done it enough times at this point to have some perspective on that so Mm -hmm. when the when the down comes i'm like well you know this is just always how it is and this will pass do you remember a moment in your life when that occurred to you like do you remember that moment where you where you realized you know what like i have the foresight or awareness that the ups and downs are going to come. And that's just part of the process. Like, 
was there ever a turning point there for you when you realized that? I don't remember a specific turning point, but it's probably during um, my film school at, at Florida State when I was just like every project, every because sh- we direct you direct short film three short films as part of that that program, and every project there was just like insane, high pressure, high intensity, and stuff, and then especially the production processes and then you then you're just done you know and um so i i you know i'm i feel grateful to have been able to kind of like go through that experience and and um you know have the sads at different points afterwards and be able to notice it doing like three intense short films over two years that <laughs> wow. oh hey this happens like every every time you know um so that was lucky to have that for sure isn't it funny how making art is a lot like being in a relationship with with a partner or, or it's just it's just being in a relationship i think like cuz you know the honeymoon phase is like the beginning where you're really pumped and then at some point it gets hard <laughs> and you have to step yeah. away and realize like it's just part of the process and then you go back to it and and the mindset you choose to be in through the hard parts um, can either give you something to learn and grow, or it can just be absolute nightmare where you're resisting, resisting, and you don't want to change your way, or you don't want to be open to what's being told to you by the art. There's just yeah. so many, I think, parallels in like re- re- dealing with people, um, th- as in like when you're dealing with an idea or or or, or, or yeah. a drawing or an edit or a fucking where to put the sorry so i swore there but like um no you can swear all you want oh we can swear (laughs) cool yeah 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 um (laughs) cool (laughs) 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 um but it's like even like where to put the camera on set you know it's like it's like uh it's a constant listening for me i'm always trying to listen yeah like what's what's the world telling me what are the people around me saying like i'm just trying to be see what's actually happening and not impose what I think should happen or what I want to happen. You know, like just try to see what's actually happening in in the moment. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I, I absolutely. And, and I've heard the metaphor uh, before about art, you know, art being like a relationship, but mm. hearing you talk about it makes me think about how, you know, creating art is is like a relationship but i think mm-hmm. something that occurred to me is it's like it's a really intense relationship with yourself Ooh, uh, yes you're like very intensely dating yourself when yes. you're creating art because yes. if you're doing it the right way you're diving so deep within yourself and it's almost like there's like there's two sides of you because art at the end of the day the day at the end of the day is not a survival process right mm-hmm. and so i feel like you're constantly battling with the two sides of yourself one is like the lizard brain survival part of yourself which is just like am i fed am i do i am i housed am i not in danger okay cool let's just chill uh and then there's the other part of you the artist that's like no let's go out and create and explore and yeah. dive into these depths yeah. And those two parts of yourself essentially like have to date each other very intensely mm-hmm. for the entire life of a project. Mm-hmm. Um, every single day, that's kind of the, the, you know, battle is the word, but like it's just more kind of like those are the complex ups and downs you have to deal with bringing the two sides of yourself together to create something. Beautiful, you know, so beautiful. <laughs> and I think there's a way to handle it. I think... For me, a majority of my 20s, it was a fight. It was like always a constant battle, like an unhealthy relationship. And then there was a moment when I realized, oh, like this can be done with grace. This doesn't need to be so radical. Like, and it, and it also can be peaceful because I think inner peace particularly when you're creating anything is really conducive to, to allowing, you know, the human antennae, the human antenna to like pick up whatever, you know, it is that, you know, has got you working on the art in the first place. It's like when you cultivate peace inside you, in my experience, it brings on more creativity. It brings on more of those, like I'm more likely to catch the creative fish of the day, you know, yeah um absolutely and then when there's that struggle 
gosh, it's like just pushing, it's Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill, man. Yeah, I think for me right now, I'm in the, I'm in the yeah. struggle a bit because I'm coming out of, you know, working very intensely at, at my school and stuff. But now mm-hmm. um, school is is done. And so I've got some space now to create some creative discipline and really hop mm-hmm. into sort of um, having that space and that calmness to hopefully be even more creative here while I have space from school. Beautiful. And how is 12 months doing? Is it is it still on the tour? Like still still out there? Where is uh, the film? Cambria was probably the first, the last festival. We might have one more. I'm still waiting to hear back from them. Yeah. Um I uh we signed with the distributor and Great. I need to deliver it right now um to the distributor where <laughs> but this we're, podcast I, I'm actually is late. holding you up. Like with me. I, no, I'm no, literally holding not you up. Not this podcast. <laughs> I, no, no, I'm being held up. Well, I'm not trying to put this person on blast, but I'm late with the distributor, but luckily they've been very patient so far. They haven't been putting any pressure on me, really. Um, And I've done some amount of the work with the distributor, but the big thing holding this up right now is I hired a colorist um, who seemed like a very wonderful person, but now they're kind of like a month late on when they were supposed to deliver yeah, and haven't been returning my texts very promptly and stuff. And, uh, so that's oh really God. holding up the process right now. So you I just, think the person, yeah. the person they, you know, they agreed to it in a time, they agreed to do it in a time when they didn't have a bunch of work to do. Yeah. And then it took a little longer than they anticipated. And then they got, they got brought on a big job basically. And so mm. I'm chalking it up to that and not ill intention. Uh, but it is, uh, you know, stressful to not be able to get it out of the way and get it off my to-do list. Yeah, that's so frustrating. You know, I had a very gnarly experience with a. Yeah, that we talked about. Yeah, yeah, that was it was I had a crazy experience. And and you you saying what you're saying, it's like I I got a little like, oh, gosh, I remember that. (laughs) Like, like I remember those (laughs) feelings that come that are associated with with um, essentially. And I'm not I'm not speaking about your project. I'm just saying in my case, the person was not doing what they said they were going to do. And when they said they were going to do it and, and, and it was incredibly, uh, opening, but, um, I'm really happy for 12 months, I mean, 12, yeah, 12 months. Um, because I saw early cut that too. It blew my fucking mind. And I had no idea my friend since I've known, I've known since I was like 12 years old, 13 years old was, was like so gifted and also <laughs> had such a beautiful way of holding space for these actors and like like I before you even told me much about it because I think what happened was you gave me the film to watch during the pandemic both of us were shacked up back home in Hawaii like doing our things yeah. and you're working on your film working on my film I'm in the very early stages of my film you're in like the the end stages of yours you send me the cut I watch the cut I'm fucking blown away. I think I'm watching Netflix. So. I've literally at my, my girlfriend at the time who was living, we were living together. Like we forgot we were watching just a friend's film. Like it, like I thought I was watching Netflix for a minute because it could, because I was just so engrossed in it. You know, usually people, when they give you a yeah. project to watch, you're just like, eh, fun. But you, you, you know, it's hard to, for me, sometimes it's hard to like get lost in the world of the story. And I got really yeah. lost in it. And I could tell before we spoke about it, like, because I, I was, had so many questions for you. We went bowling, I think, like a couple of nights Yeah, we later. did. That was fun. That was fun <laughs> yeah, we got to go bowling again because that's fun. Um, yeah. But I remember before I asked you all these questions, like, I, I intuitively had this notion. I was like, damn, Clint really knows how to hold space for actors, which is a testament to someone who knows how to hold space for people. And, and that's yeah. true about you and it's true about your film. And, um, yeah. Do you, well, I, you know, I, 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 really I chalked that up to like, I was really inspired by, um, you know, the puffy chair and like the mumble core, mm-hmm. uh, kind of movement or the, I don't know, collection of films that came out around the early two thousands and stuff. I was really inspired by that stuff, uh, because I was like watching these low budget films that were making me feel things 
in ways that I'd never felt and see experiences that, that I'd never seen on screen. And I was just like, I need to figure out how to do that. <sighs> and so I focused really heavily on cultivating the skill set first of like working with actors and creating a good environment for actors mm -hmm. and getting and the best Vegas. performances that I could. Was that in Vegas? Uh, yeah. That, is, is that where yeah, you kind of like Vegas. That was that That's after of, I had, yeah. Yeah. That's after I got out of undergrad, um, mm -hmm. you know, um, is when I really jumped into that and stuff. And so, hmm. you know, I push back against gifted. I mean, I guess, you know, you work on your skills, you, you get some gifts and stuff like that. But to me, this is just like I saw something I was interested in and then I pursued it like crazy, you know, like hmm. after seeing the puffy chair hmm. by the two boss brothers and learning what mumblecore was, I was like, what? I need to watch every single one of these films that I can find. And That's so I, so cool. you know, I did, you know, and this is the time of like streaming didn't exist, you know, mm -hmm. like IMDB wasn't even as big a thing as it is now. And I would just like constantly try and find recommendations for mumblecore films. And I had Netflix DVD at the time, which sadly is now going away. Um, <laughs> But I would just like every you know week I would be getting one or two mumble mumblecore films through uh, through Netflix you know and seeing people like uh, the Duplass brothers Joe Swanberg Lynn Shelton um, you know these kind of people and just taking in everything I could of their work um, and then you know that's I I I was I was reading I've been reading recently um, Steal Like an Artist which is a fun little book on creativity mm -hmm. and it it's it's talks about how your journey as a creative, you start by being inspired by somebody and then like kind of trying to first copy them. But then over, over time you sort of take what you're, take that copying and you create your own version of it. And I yeah. feel like that's what I've done. Yeah. I feel that's, that is the part, that's what everyone does, you know, like it's, that's, that is the way in a way. <laughs> Uh, yeah. that's so beautiful that something spoke to you so clearly. Isn't it interesting how, you know, it's like back engineering a feeling like, cause what I heard you just say essentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's like you were watching something that evoked something in you. You didn't know could happen. It got you interested. You went down a rabbit hole of like, okay, well, where does all this come from? And then it was like, okay, how do I do that? So you back engineer from there how to how to do that and is that is that fair to say is that like yeah absolutely. absolutely it's incredible i i love hearing that like that's that's like um i get just so excited and 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 it, it fills me full of joy to hear people who get interested and then do something like that because to me it's just so magical it's like what is that it's like something was transmitted and this could be from music. It could be from film. It can be from a hanging piece of art. It could just be from a person, but it's like something happens inside us. It makes us go, huh, that's interesting. And then we try to find more of it. And then as artists, sometimes we're capable of like doing it again, <laughs> you know, like putting it into the world. And hopefully that that does, does that for someone else. Um, yeah. It's so interesting. It's just really. Do you have a big? I mean, do you have a big point of like inspiration or or like a kind of a watershed moment like that in your creative career? Oh yeah, hmm, yeah for sure. I think uh, there's been a, quite a few, and it's changed over the years. Like like for example, when I first started lock stock and two smoking barrels, my my I was so I was in a I was featured as a surfer in a surf film called the mm -hmm. fifth symphony document and the filmmakers making it were my friends. And I was really interested in the process of filmmaking and they threw me a VHS tape one night, you know, they were in the edit bay and I was probably being, you know, a rambunctious 17 year old who I just had so much energy as a kid. And, and they were like, threw me a, a VHS tape and were like, go watch this, <laughs> like, go watch this kid. <laughs> you know? And it was, uh, it was Guy Ritchie's lock stock and two smoking barrels. And and um, I watched it and I was just so blown away by the editing. I didn't know it mm -hmm. was the editing that blew me away at the time. But, but I was just really like, wow, it was like the pizzazz of it, right? So that was, the, that was a turning corner in like the power of editing. 
But then later, there was like a really big, like, um, turning point or turning the corner with the emotional storytelling side of things. And that was like, I would say, you know, most likely, and, and I'm getting a little confused because it happens in a few different places for me, but like yeah. it, it was either Hayao Miyazaki's work or it was a Paul Thomas Anderson film um, or a Wes Anderson film. And I just remember like projecting myself into the character because the things they were talking about or doing, which weren't like maybe a popular thought to have, but it was being said on camera, on screen. And I just yeah. remember connecting to that and going, wow, they have the courage to say that. And then as a filmmaker too, I'm like, wow, the filmmaker had the courage to write that or someone did. Yeah. <laughs> and then they talked about it and then they filmed it. Or in the case of Hayao Miyazaki, he just drew it and um and wrote down what should be said it just was it was really cathartic for me and it was just like um uh i aspired to try to do that you know like like how can i how can i get closer to that um how can i get closer to that because that seems to be like a really um powerful thing to tap into and, yeah uh, yeah i don't know if i'm making any sense sorry but no 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 definitely definitely so yeah. something I'm curious about, like I learned yeah. recently through our conversation stuff, you really cut your teeth in 48-hour film festivals yeah, in Hawaii. I did, yeah. And and you went out and you made a feature mm-hmm. as like your first, was that like your first non-48-hour film was your feature? Yeah. yeah. Went from well, making 48-hour films to like a two-year project. <laughs> no in Yeah, between. yeah. Well, tell <laughs> I haven't heard too much of that story. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Did you? I, I forget if you sent me the link or not. But, but mm-hmm. um, you know, tell me about that because you made that. When yeah. did, when did you make that feature? Um, started in two thousand eight, and then it, okay, so, it premiered at Hoy International Film Festival in two thousand ten. Yeah. So okay, so you finished it in two thousand ten, and mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. is Stoker your first film since that? Yeah. It is like my Your first, first personal like artistic, film. creative, yeah, personal film. I would just call it, okay. yeah, it was first personal film. I wouldn't, Aquila was a personal film, but it was really like, uh, it wasn't at the same time. You know, it was more yeah. like, like doing 48 hour film festival, um, sorry, 48 hour film competitions was like, cutting teeth to learn how to, how to, where to put the camera, try to, a lot of imitating to bring that up, you know, like imitating Tarantino, imitating Scorsese, just a lot of imitating my favorites, right? Like at the time, yeah. those were my favorites. Coppola, Coen Brothers, um, you know, Guy Ritchie, like just imitating, imitating, imitating. At the time I thought, oh, it's like, this is me, but I didn't know, like, no, that's not you at all, you know? And, um, and then, you know, the judges at these competitions, they were the producers of Lost. Um, yeah. Because Lost was shooting in Honolulu at that time. And they took interest in, like, the work we were doing, you know? Like, it wasn't just me. There was, like, a collective of filmmakers. I was just the one who had the, like, stupidity, I guess, to say, I'm making <laughs> a feature <laughs> and you're all going to help me, right? <laughs> and, and I was really, really lucky man i was really lucky they said yes and um and uh and then i didn't know anything like and and everyone i was working with were like vet, they were like they weren't vet, they were just way more experienced than me they were working on these major sets and like you know using like you know c45 grab that and i'm like what the what the fuck is a c45 <laughs> it's you mean you mean the you mean the laundry clip <laughs> like you know like i didn't know what the fuck any of that shit man um, I didn't know the protocols. I didn't know you're supposed to like, you know, not tell the, they were just working in a very like professional manner. I was just, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing at all. And, but I, but I knew what I liked and I knew, I knew that we were all there to learn. And, um, and I, you know, and that is exactly what I think all of us did. And, and I can, I, but I can speak for sure for myself, like, I just learned what it takes to take a film from idea to post because I cut the whole thing myself. And 
And I did all the motion graphics myself and, and all wow. the VFX myself and all the color correcting myself. And um, yeah, so I learned hard and fast. And, and, it, and it was stressful, man. I was very burnt out by the end of it. And, and, but but I, I'm not going to blame filmmaking for that. That was my attitude. My attitude was, I needed an attitude adjustment. I wish I would have had like, uh, I wish I just would have had access to, to some books and some other things that would have helped guide yeah. me through that process. What do, you, what do you think was wrong with your attitude at the time? Well, my attitude was I made it all about me. Like, oh, really? I, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I was, I just didn't, um, I, was, I was being, you know, my producer and partner on the project, you know, who was also a filmmaker, he was literally the competition in the competitions, right? So, like, yeah. like there was just a lot of, like, immature ego and, you know, n- everything that has nothing to do with the arts was what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was like. Um, it was just a lot of immaturity. That's all it was. I mean, I love the guy to death and, and I have nothing but deep respect for him. His name's Robert Campbell. And, and, um, but we were just kids. Like we didn't know what we were doing. And so I was, yeah. What you were like 25 at the time. Yeah. 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 Uh, 25. (laughs) And I consider that a kid. Um, yeah, I mean, no, that's definitely yeah. very young to be making feature films. Yeah, and and the thing that I had, the attitude, I, I got to think about, just give me a second, like, I, I want to think about that. Like, um, the attitude I had was, I was insecure, I didn't know enough about myself yet. Like, I never took a deep plunge inside yet. And I think because of that, I was making decisions based on what other people would like and I was doing things to please people. And I really worried that I was going to piss someone off and, 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 and people were looking to me, like, even if they were, they were being a jerk about it and rightfully so they were looking at me like, dude, you have to like, what are we doing? Like, let's like, you know, and I did, I just didn't know. Um, Well, and that's a lot of pressure and responsibility for one, like somebody, you know at 25 years old but also yeah you know just having made not to not to hate on 48 hour films because obviously it was a great Mm. experience for you to grow from but that's a big jump to go from making yeah 48 hour films to a feature film it's super ambitious and yeah it's a big big jump you know and and i was not i was so i think that naive that young naivete was important because it was like i'm so glad we did it you know like and, and, you know, when we screened it, I was so ashamed. Like, I, we got in the really? theater. Oh, dude, it was awful for me. For me, it was awful. Like, got to the theater. They, you know, Hawaii supports its own. So they, they gave us the, you know, built, like, opening night and closing night for the film. And, and it was, like, oh, wow. packed house on both nights because people just loved us, you know. They didn't care about the movie. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. just loved us and the group of people involved. And... I was sitting in the theater and you know, and you know this, like when you're in the theater and you're watching a movie, when everyone's like confused, you can tell like when people don't get yes. the beat, you know, like and yes, it, was, and yeah. it, it was like that the whole movie. I was just like, <laughs> this is, and I cringe, oh, yeah. I cringe and I was watching stings. I'm just like, oh my God, like, this is not me. What the, what the hell? Like, like, um, what the, like, what am I doing? You know? And and uh, I remember the, one of the camera operators could tell I was just so distraught. Because I was like, people were like, oh, great job in the movie, man. And all I, all I would do is criticize yeah. the movie, right? Instead of saying thank you, instead of being grateful, I was just like, oh, I can do better. And, you know, I'm just so disappointed. And I was just being such a little film brat, you know, like, a, yeah. like an artistic brat. And uh, the, I remember the camera operator, his name's Morgan um, super cool guy. He does jujitsu. I think he's a black belt in jujitsu now, but like at the time yeah. I, he might've been a purple belt, but like, anyway, that doesn't have anything to do with this, but he's just a solid, <laughs> he's a solid guy. And, yeah. uh, like most jujitsu people. And he pulls me aside and he's like, Hey man. And just like a martial artist, he's like, man, you really got to lose that attitude. That's not cool, man. People are thanking you for this film and stuff. And, and you know, and, and he's like, he's like, don't say that shit. And, and he was so serious. I like, believed him 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, it like snapped me out of it. And and I was cool for the rest of the evening and then the second showing, but man, Clint, it was tough for me. And then I feel like I fucking went into hiding for like a long time. Because <laughs> I just so Well, yeah, of it. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's a hard traumatic experience to go through to have such high intensity and high stress for such a long amount of time. And then, mm. you know, to have it sort of capped with a, negative feeling experience i think it's no you know it's no wonder that it took you there's such a big gap between that and stoker you know that's crazy Um, yeah yeah that seems that seems very like that seems like an obvious thing to happen but i guess Hmm. what Hmm. what i guess what got you back on the horse was there a moment that got you back on the horse and and was there a moment where you were like yeah. I need to make yeah. Stoker and, and it kind of was powerful enough to mm-hmm. get you over the, the past trauma of what yeah. your future was. So, well, before I, I, I share that, like, I just want to say thank you. Like, cause I, I actually haven't really talked about this <laughs> and, and, uh, a long time and you putting it in perspective like that, like that, it, that it would seem kind of normal to take a break from something like that. Um, I appreciate you saying that because it took a long time for yeah. me to just give myself that grace and, and, and say, yeah, it is okay. Like, like I, I, that took a long time for me to say that for myself and, and, mm-hmm. and like hearing you say that it's like, thank you. Cause like, that was a, that was quite a journey to like, uh, get back yeah. on the horse. Like, gosh, darn yeah. it, man. And I was making stuff for other people, which is what, to answer your question or, or share the share the story of like what got me back in the ring or on the horse i was working for a studio I'll, i'm just gonna leave the name out of it um mm-hmm. but but i was working for a studio i was i was a you know showrunner there development producer and i created an award-winning show for them put my heart and 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 everything into it you know like i put everything into this thing that i made for them and and it was Two seasons, 20 episodes. Um, <laughs> and just, it, it, and it's nobody's fault. It's nobody's fault. Like they, all the folks involved were just doing the best they could with what they knew. And I respect them all to this day. But, you know, they just, it was like nobody cared about the, about the project. It was just another yeah. piece of hamburger that's going out on the conveyor belt to be served. And you know what? It was a wake up call for me because I was like, yeah, we're in the hamburger business and that's what we do. We make hamburgers and we sell hamburgers. If you want to make Michelin star meals, you got to go open your own restaurant, (laughs) you know? And so it was just like this wake up call. So we make this project. It does very well. It even wins awards. And, and, uh, there was just this real strong sense that no one gave a shit. It was like, mm. you know, like, okay, like, well, what do you got next? Basically was the attitude. Or, or, not yeah. only what do you got next, but you got to do it better next time. And it was like, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, like, this isn't a light switch. You just turn on and off. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, that's just, I know people do it that way and that's fine, but that's not how I am. Like, that's just not how I yeah. work. And, and it's, totally. and it's all, all good, right? All good. Do, do your thing. All good. Um, it's just not my way. So I'm sitting in Hawaii. My creative itch is strong and I'm like, I got, I, my soul feels dead. I just like, I just felt dead. And I was like, the only way I'm going to find out anything about me and the world is through making another personal project because that seems to be what I have dreams about. That seems to be what I think about. And I really want to let go of Aquila, which was the name of the first film, the one that we were just talking about. Like, I want to let mm-hmm. go of it. I want to move on with my life. I want to, like, really just start living. Like, I want to be the best version of me. And, and if I keep doing this the way I'm doing it, it's not going to work. So Chad comes home, my neighbor, this guy named Chad Campbell, He's got a surfboard. He's won't shut up about it. And he's like, you got to check this board out. I almost, you know, he recycles surfboards, meaning he goes around, takes all these boards from under people's houses, strips the glass, the surfboard resin off the board 
and then mm-hmm. reshapes them into new surfboards. And he got this one board that was super yellow, super beat up, and he felt it. It felt good. And as a surfer, when you're feeling surfboards, you can tell if it's like been crafted well or not. And it felt yeah. really well crafted. So he took it for a surf. It ended up being an amazing board to ride. I even rode it. And I was like, you know, we were like, this thing's pretty sick, you know? And then the, the most amazing thing about the board is there was no shaper's name on it. There was no dimensions on it. And this is really unheard of for a surfboard. There was just an email address and a phone number and the word stoker machine on the board. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, this is a story. I was like, where did this, where the hell did this board come from? And Chad's amazing and charismatic. And I was like, I think I'm going to do this. I was telling my girlfriend at the time, I was like, I think I'm going to just make this film and, and put my animations in it. Cause I've never seen anyone do that. Like the way I think I'm thinking about it in my head. And nice. that, that was the beginning. Yeah. That's how it started. Yeah. When was that? When did you start like get the idea for Stoker? when was that that would have been uh september chad you know again it's like again it's like wasn't even my idea it's just i was paying i was lucky i was paying attention chad brought that to my attention in september of 2021 no 2020 yeah no it had to have been september 2020 yeah that would have been it yep september 2020 yeah. Oh, really? Okay. So, like, right before, like, we reconnected, basically. Absolutely. Because, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I right. didn't realize. I have. Dang. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't realize. And I was really careful with it, man. I was like, not putting any pressure on myself because there was a couple of moments that I was like, okay, is this gonna be it? You know, like, I was like, is this gonna be my next thing? Is this gonna be what I spend my time on? And um. I was really lucky that my, you know, I've been a, a lifelong, almost lifelong. I learned meditation when I was 15. My parents got divorced and my dad in all his wisdom was like, took my brother and I to learn TM. That was like, that was like the, <laughs> that was like the, this is going to help. <laughs> and Transcendental meditation. Yeah. Transcendental meditation. Um, and my practice has evolved over the years, but it was something that I always kept practicing and it say it truly saved my life, man. It just taught me to pay attention. You know, it didn't, obviously it didn't make me, meditation doesn't make anyone perfect. That's not the point, but it does teach you to pay attention. And I'm really lucky that when I was questioning whether Stoker Machine was my next thing or not, I was able to like really like catch myself and, and just hold yeah. the idea gently. And, and, and my partner at the time really helped with that too. Cause she's, she was such a kind, is, is still such a kind, gentle human being that, there wasn't like a lot of banging and clashing, you know, it was like, no, yeah. like, like just hold this idea, just hold it. Like just be, go easy, you know, take it step by step. And, and that was really, really important. Yeah. Change changed me. It was just the beginning of the changes that would, that would come because of all the challenges, you know, like the hard drive crashing, losing all the drawings and even trying to find the guy Stoker who the surfboard came from. Um, all of that shit, you know, the ER incident. I don't know if I told you that, but like I spent five nights in the, in the hospital and. I think you did mention that around was so that many... when you were in Hawaii. No, that was towards the end. That was in post. Yeah. But there oh, was yeah, just, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. we talked about that in Cambria, I think. Yeah. 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 There's just so many challenges that were like, it was truly an odyssey journey. <laughs> like I had so many obstacles along the way. Um, well, you know, yeah. um, I, uh, I don't know if you feel this way, um, but something that's, that's common on like the film festival circuit and like Q and A's and questions you get asked about making the film is Mm -hmm. like what the challenges were, you know, like what challenges do you have? Like, and then you, you, you tell the stories about like what the hard parts were. Right. But like for me, you know, looking back at it, 12 months is probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. (sighs) That being said, yeah, there, it didn't like, it wasn't, hard to do the hard parts mm-hmm. like it, there was no it's not like i had to get myself up and right. get myself motivated to, right. to do it right. it was like a challenge came my way it's like how are we going to deal with this challenge how are we going to keep this project going because it's what i cared about mm-hmm. and what i was passionate about and um i don't know do you like you i know you had a lot of challenges mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. stoker do you, does, does that resonate with you in terms of the mm-hmm. challenges 
I mean, they were hard, but it wasn't like hard to do them. It didn't feel, it was just what you had to do. Yeah, that's an amazing, that's an amazing thought. That's beautiful, that thought. Um, yeah, I certainly felt compelled that it was just a call, like I had to do it for sure. Uh, this, it didn't negate the suckiness of it. But yeah, you're right. It was definitely much more of a, okay, well, I'll just find a different way because I care. And it's kind of interesting when you go 10 years, the gap between, for me, right? Like, like it was like about a 10 year gap. I didn't care about anything. It's a long time to not care about something. And when, when you care about something so much, when you get hit with these challenges, it's like, well, I'm just going to find a way, you know, I'm just going to find a way. And it doesn't matter what it is. Okay, I lost hundreds of drawings for hand animation and some footage. Okay, I'm just going to find, I'm going to start again. You know what? Um, great. Now I have more opportunities to discover a better, uh, to find the art direction. Refine it. Yeah. This is just more mm-hmm. reps I'm going to get in. Great. Okay, I don't have an ending. Dang. Okay, well, you know what? Now I'm going to do a deep dive into some of my greatest and favorite filmmaker or just artists in general and see what they did when they got to situations similar but different, right? And opportunity again. I learned a lot about what other people do. And then I learned what works for me when faced with these challenges because they are overcomable. Um, Yeah, so it was definitely like, wow, the power of caring can really pull you through. That was, I don't know if that makes sense, but that, that was definitely, that's yeah. definitely my inclination to that. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's not, that's not at all to sit on, you know, how hard it is to make a movie. And I definitely know, yeah, it's fucking know the struggles hard. you went through making Stoker, but <laughs> yeah. it's like, I don't know. I guess the narrative is that you're such a, like, we're almost heroic for overcoming the challenges of, of mm. filmmaking or our creativity. But it doesn't feel a little heroic as you go through it. It just feels like, you know, the thing you need to do. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's life. Yeah, so. I mean, life is full of it, you know? Like, life is also the big project. Like, our lives, our individual lives are the big film project in a way. And, mm, yeah. and they're full of strife and challenges and ups and downs. And it's like, uh, you just got to care about life in a way, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, Everybody has a different way of, of dealing with it and everyone has a different approach and there's no right or wrong. I don't think it's just, um, but I do think there's gotta be some sense of awareness that, you know, of, of what the, of what the score is. And, and for me, the score is like life is the greatest creative endeavor. Your, your gift of life of just being alive is a gift. And if you can do something with that, whatever you would like to do with it, with real intention and real like uh, open-mindedness to learn from the whole thing, then, then almost results don't matter. The challenges don't matter. It's like, you, you just, you're going to make it through, you know, um, in, in some way or form. And, and if yeah. you don't, then that's out of your control. As long as you've done what's in your control, the best that you can do, then to me, it's like, that's a regret for that. That's a way to live a life or make a film or a project with no regrets. Just do the best yeah. you can. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's um, interesting. Very interesting. Definitely. I mean, uh, we've got maybe like a few more minutes here. Yeah, um, for sure. man. I just wanted to give space. If there's anything you wanted to talk about or any questions you wanted mm. to ask before we have to wrap things, wrap things up here. I just want to no pressure. I can come up with some if you don't have it, but I'm just trying to give you a little bit of space before we wrap sure. things up. I guess, um, well, like, thank you so much for having me here. It means a lot that you're in the world doing what you do. Like, it means a lot to me do, that you're doing what you're doing in the world. And, well, and I, hey, man, I'm just as lucky to have you as part of my life and have you. I mean, I just like talking to you, you know, likewise. We always have fun talking to each other. So it's so much fun talking with you and, and being around you too. And, um, yeah, I just would like to give a lot of thanks to you and, and I th- you have a partner on this podcast, right? Like, um, yes, Alan, Alan is, uh, away right now. He just, um, you know, uh, maybe I'll have to cut this out, but he, his wife just gave birth to the third child. So there sure. he's off in daddy land. 
Okay. Right now, being a good father and stuff. So, uh, you know, my thoughts are with him, but uh, yeah, he'll well, definitely give this a listen and give his comments on it. Um, cool. At some point. Well, I, I just want to say thanks to you, Alan, also. Um, and I just appreciate the opportunity to be here spreading the stoke, you know, because really for me, that's what <laughs> yeah. this whole film is about. Like, it's just about sharing what Surfer Stoke is like. And I think Stoke has become for me a, a way of being in the world, like realizing that, you know, you can be looking and spending your whole life looking for Stoke happiness. These are synonymous words, but like, like, you know, like you can be looking for that outside of yourself for a lifetime, or at least until you're like in your late thirties, like me, and then realize once all your dreams kind of come true, that it's not out there. Like Stokes, not really out there. It's inside us. And for me, that's like the mission is sharing that story and that, that, that kind of uh, way of being that, that has become really interesting to me, like to explore that and, and share that with people because it's true freedom in a way when, when someone can't take your Stoke away from you, unless you let them, that's the ultimate power. And I think I finally understand what Nelson Mandela meant about being free, even though he was in prison, because his mind, Mm -hmm. he wasn't wasn't letting anybody. Viktor Frankl talks about this, too, in um, his his wonderful book about uh, spending. Well, it's it's a wonderful book, but it's an atrocious story. But he spent time in uh, German concentration camps at the World War during World War Two. Viktor Frankl's a really, really wonderful thinker. And, um, you know, I think about him a lot um, in general because he was able to not allow the Nazis, which is a metaphor for, for anything that could rob you of your happiness, right? But when you, yeah. don't, when you don't allow it and you know you're in charge of your happiness, that's true power. That's really true yeah. power. So Stoke for me is that, you know, it's like, it's just, it's learning to have this, keep the Stoke and find it inside and, and then share it, you know? So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thanks for being here. Is there anywhere that you want people to connect with you or any ways yeah. that everybody can support you? Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so if you're really interested in the things that we've talked about and you're really interested in learning more about Stoker Machine, just go to DariusLeg.com. I have a weekly newsletter that goes out um, bi-weekly, but we, we try to get something out every week where you can get free art, updates on the film, and it's been really cool watching that thing grow, man. It's like the, the audience is, is, it's fun finding out who's interested in Stoker Machine. And so if, you, nice. if this sounds like something that, that your, your audience would be interested in, it's just DariusLeg.com, and then my Instagram is DariusLeg. Uh, would love to hear from anybody that's listening to this. Yeah. Cool. Thanks again, man. And let me know when you, when you, when you release Stoker and we'll, we'll share it around and give oh. it all the support we can. You know that, you know that. <laughs> yeah, brother. Thank you so much, Clint. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That about wraps it up for episode 28 of story life. At least our main interview there with our wonderful guest, Alan, you weren't there, yes. but uh, what did you think? <laughs> no, like I said, I, I I had a lot of fun listening to this. I, uh, Darius has awesome energy. I also love that he called you Clint. Give me a little insight into you as a youth. <laughs> Were you called Clint often or only by Darius? When I, went, when I was younger, <laughs> I went by Clint more. Yeah, that was cool. I'm like, oh, it gave me a little more, you know, a little more, I don't know, uh, not context, but like a, a texture of a different kind of like, oh, I can now imagine like, you know, you being little Clint. As a as a boy, good times. But no, I, I really I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I had a big smile on my face listening to a lot of this. So, you guys had a, a great rapport, and um, yeah, Stoker Machine. I'm interested in it. If you guys are interested in it as well, check out the website uh, DariusLeg.com. I want to spell that for y'all because it's not how I expected it to be spelled. It's D A R I E U S L E G G dot com. And you can also follow him and reach out if you'd like on Instagram at Darius Leg. Once again, D A R I E 
U-S-L-E-G-G. As for us, you can contact us at wearestorylife at gmail.com. Also, please check out our website, wearestorylife.com, where you'll find more information about us and what we do as coaches and consultants for fellow artists, as well as links to our Patreon and social media pages. Yeah, you can connect me with me pretty much anywhere. Just look up my name, Clinton Cornwell. Uh, Instagram's what I use the most, but you know what? If you send me a message on freaking anything, I'll find you. We'll connect. So please hit me up. I'd love to hear from you. Freaking anything, huh? Challenge accepted. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Hunt you down on MySpace, bro. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, kind of. <laughs> Once I figure out again how to log in. Um, since the transition on Twitter, whatnot. Anyway, enough about that. TikTok, I'm there. Vimeo, all at Alan C. Gardner. That's A-L-L-E-N-C-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. And I'm on Instagram at Alan C. Gardner Movies. If you want to check out some of my recent movies, Cold Feet is currently available on Amazon Prime, Google Play, and YouTube. And some of my other movies are available on several platforms, including Save Yourself and Act One on Tubi. And We Got Lucky and Bad Bad Men on Amazon. Uh, Bad Bad Men's actually on YouTube now as well. Also, Being Awesome is now available on Tubi, Voodoo, and the Roku channel. So check that one out on any of those lovely platforms, please. And thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Are you I, just I, making, a, making a sandwich? No, no. I was messaging Mike. <laughs> Uh, okay <laughs> your your part is long that part is you you're getting it it I, is I, long you do have time to like run some errands while i'm doing that <laughs> i suppose we, i know it does make me laugh sometimes and you know if we want <laughs> we can always divvy it up differently in the future thank you for i don't mind it thank you it for the you great time supporter to take of story life yeah. this podcast mr mike Jimenez, <laughs> who i just sent a message to hey mike let's hang out bud let's all hang out the three of us we can yeah, do that now because i live in yeah. la yeah. Uh, I didn't even realize Mike lived in LA until recently. And uh, so, yeah, we're also all here. thank you to friends, family, the community around us. We can we can do it with all, all you guys. Community folks, we have many more episodes coming up, so please subscribe and join us next week and beyond. This has been Clinton Cornwell. And Alan C. Gardner. With Story Life, a podcast, a creative company, coaches. We're all of it. We're all of it, and we're going to be all of it with you. Those things. We're going to be all of it with you. Okay. Great awkward pitch. I love it. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We appreciate all of you. We really really do. Have a good one. Take Take care. Take care. Welcome, everybody, to the...